Welcome. Hey, this is Kevin Shinnick, writer of Star Wars Force Collector. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening. And you are listening. To Star Wars Comics in Canon, the Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 123. So my friends, like previous episodes, I'm continuing on with the Hidden Empire comics. So if you haven't joined me before, I'm going to go through the Hidden Empire comic and then two related comics in chronological order. And then along the way, I'll give you a bit more information on certain characters that prop up and other interesting information. Now, Hidden Empire is part of the War of the Bounty Hunters and Crimson Reign crossovers, which all link into some sort of Kira crossover event, Kira being from Solo, a Star Wars story. But if you don't know any of that information, go back and listen to the prior episodes. In the show notes, there is information where you can find all that. But Hidden Empire 1, I tackled in episode 121, and Hidden Empire 2, I tackled in episode 122. So at the moment, it's quite easy. And I will say it seems like at the moment the Dr. Aphra comics and the Bounty Hunters comics are the only ones that are directly crossing over with Hidden Empire. Vader's kind of doing his own thing in his comics and the Star Wars main run of comics are doing their own thing as well. So at the moment there isn't an explicit crossover like there has been with Crimson Reign and War of the Bounty Hunters. But we'll see once Hidden Empire 5 comes out because I may end up having to do like catch up episodes on the Star Wars and Vader episodes that we missed. But I'll cross that bridge when we come to it. At the moment Dr. Aphra is very directly linked to the Hidden Empire comics. And at the moment, Bounty Hunters are kind of in like bits and pieces. I wouldn't say they're any more or less than the Vader comics, but it seems like online they are more directly connected. So I'm just going to keep both of them in. So the first comic in question is Hidden Empire number three. It is written by Charles Saul. The penciler is Stephen Cummings. The inker is Victor Olazaba. And the color artist is Guru EFX. Hidden Empire 3 was released in February 8th, 2023. And the trade paperback collection of all five Hidden Empire comics is due for release July 4th, 2023. So with that all in mind, let's delve straight in. Here is the crawl for Hidden Empire 3. Dreaming of a freer galaxy, Lady Kira and her organisation, Crimson Dawn, have waged a secret war against the Empire. Kira activated operatives across the galaxy to cause havoc and distract the Emperor while she sought a power capable of deposing the Sith Lord. Kira learned the means of prevailing against the Sith from her predecessor, Maul. His teachings led her to the Fermata Cage, an artefact that sealed away an ancient Sith Lord suspended in time. Kira tasked the Archivists with freeing the Sith to serve as a weapon against the Emperor. Aware of Kira's schemes, the Emperor destroyed her flagship, the Vermilion. This forced Kira to escape to a stronghold, Dawnfall, where a Crimson Dawn fleet prepares to strike against the Empire. Joined by Kofon Farris, the Archivist's work on the Fermata Cage remains the key to Kira's plan. The disturbance in the force the artifact produces served as a beacon to Kira's enemies, and a hasty second attempt at using it guided Darth Vader to its location. Chanith Char and the Orphans arrived to defend the Fermata Cage, but Darth Vader fears no opponent. Now, as per prior issues of Hidden Empire and Crimson Reign, it starts off with the Archivist speaking to two hooded figures, which was a seemingly a time after the fall. I don't know if it was after the fall of Crimson Dawn or the Empire. I presume the latter, but I'm sure we'll find out eventually. 
Now, the archivist mentioned that she had the misfortune to be near Darth Vader more than once, and she says that he radiates a particular dark energy that seems to drive him completely different from motivations from other beings. She compares it to a feeling you get when you hear about an animal eating its own young as what it's like to be in Vader's presence. And she carries on to go that Darth Vader pretty much always kills what he wants to kill, but the archivist survived not because she was lucky or anything like that, it's because she was saved by a woman named Chanith Char and her team, the Orphans. So the story then goes back to Between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, which is when Hidden Empire takes place, obviously after War of the Bounty Hunters and Crimson Reign and the prior other Hidden Empire issues. But before I delve straight into that, I just want to give a little bit more information on Chanith Char. I gave a little bit last week, and then I think also when she was first mentioned in, I think, Crimson Reign, but I'll give you a hit in more detail for Eat. So Chanith Char was first in the Lando comics written by Charles Saul. She appeared in issue 2 and then was in them for the rest of the run until issue 5. And she was also in the 2015 run of Vader Comics in issue 16 and in the 2017 run of Vader Comics in issue 11 and then in War of the Bounty Hunters 5. In short, Chanith Char's parents tried killing Darth Vader when Chanith was around 12. They failed and then the parents managed to bargain with Vader offering to give him information on their employer in exchange for Chanith Char being able to live and survive. Vader agreed to this and Chanith Char got her life, but then in doing so obviously lost her parents and basically lost everything else about her life. So she has always hated Darth Vader. And then she became a bounty hunter and worked for Palpatine quite a lot and was trying to learn so much about Darth Vader by either slicing information or talking to people about it or things like that. And in addition to that, she also was friends with Lando, I say friends loosely, because she had a romantic connection with Lobot, which is one of Lando's best friends. However, there was a little bit of tension between them because Lobot decided to go off with Lando on one of his adventures and things. And so, yeah, there's a little bit of tension there. But that's more or less it. If you want to find out more about her and Lando and stuff, either go back and listen to the episode I did on the Lando comics or read them yourselves. The episode was episode 18 of Star Wars Comics in Canon. So back to the story. So Chanith Char is confronting Vader and notes that she wants revenge for everything that he did to her. She spent her entire life building up to this moment and Vader just says, I don't even know who you are. You've wasted your entire life coming for me, yet you haven't actually impacted me in any way and you will die. So Chanith Char and her orphans and spring into action. So it's Chanith Char, who's a bounty hunter, then Amara Vex, who's also a bounty hunter. She's a human and she's in the Hunters game, which I believe is free for Android and then is coming out on other consoles soon. And recently there was like a junior novel tie-in released as well. Plus there's a woman called Seer, who is also a human. And then there's Lady Bright, who is a modified protocol droid. So Lady Bright uses this flash stun thing on Vader and it stuns him momentarily. Then Chanath Char throws what looks to be a thermal detonator, but Vader slices it with his lightsaber and then it explodes out in acid and covers him in this. He then uses the force and pushes everyone out of the way and then runs to the water to get all the acid off him. And in doing that, he smashed the Fermata cage. The Fermata cage itself is like an hourglassy thing, like a really big hourglass, which seems to be okay, but all of the equipment around it that Ko and the archivists were developing has all been destroyed. While Vader's in the water removing the acid, Chanath Char and the orphans tell the archivist and Ko that they've come to save them. The archivist notes that the Fermata cage is absolutely imperative, so Lady Bright carries it because Ko notes that you may not want to touch that if you're organic because it seems to sap energy and so touching it's probably not the best thing. So Lady Bright carries it and goes to the ship along with Amara Vex, the archivist and Ko, while Chanith Char and Seer try to hold back Vader a bit more. As Vader gets out of the water, he notes that Chanath Char will not avenge her parents or Kira. Then he notes that there's a change in their emotions, noting surprise, and he says, oh, I see. My master will be pleased to hear about Kira's survival. 
The Archivist Co., Imara Vex, and Lady Bright are now in their ship and they are taking off. Chandler Chart and Seer continue to fight Vader with flamethrowers and shields and things. There's a lot of incredible action scenes in this issue, but then Vader force pushes Seer very hard into a rock. There's a very loud crunch and she is dead. Amara Vex is on the top of the ship that is taking off with a sniper rifle and is aiming at Vader, shoots and manages to cut one of his hands off with the blaster bolt. In frustration, Vader pushes the ship up at the front, kind of tilting it, which means that Amara flies off it and falls from quite a great height through several trees, it smashes her helmet off and she falls in like a heap at the bottom. She's bleeding and very heavily injured. I will note here that she doesn't die because the Hunters game that I mentioned prior is set after the events of episode 6, so maybe we'll find out what happens to her from here. Maybe it's in the Hunters book. Maybe it's just going to be sprinkled in the game. Not really sure, but Amara Vex is alive, if not very, very injured. While flying the ship, Lady Bright then communicates to Kira and asks for the Crimson Dawn fleet to be sent there to help save Chanath Char. Kira says, do you have the Fomata Cage and the Archivist? And Lady Bright says, yes. So Kira says, no, just return as fast as you can with the Archivist and the Fomata Cage. Lady Bright says that she wants to save Chanath Char. She notes that Kira is an employer, but Chanath Char is home, which is a very sweet sentiment. Back in the fight, Vader manages to break through Chanath Char's shield and the ship starts to fly away. Chanath Char looks out and sees the ship escaping and says, this is good. And then there's a panel even closer and you hear a noise and then it zooms out and shows that Vader has stabbed Chanastar straight through the chest with his lightsaber. She collapses to the floor and is dead. It then shows on the ship that has been taking off that the archivist used the ascendant technology to dismantle Lady Bright and then flies the ship herself. And then Ko says to the archivist, like, I really want to leave, this is far too much. And the archivist says, fine, I'll drop you off on the way. And then the final page of Hidden Empire 3 shows that Kira and Cadelia are having a conversation. Kira asks Cadelia why she thinks that Kira didn't decide to send off the Crimson Dawn fleet to go and help Chanath Char. And Cadelia says, well, because there's many more important things to go on than just like a single person's life. And you don't know if you'd have been able to save them, that sort of thing. And Kira says, yep, those things are correct. But it's worth noting that Chanath Char thought that her life was a story that she was writing. But in actual fact, Chanath Char is just a character in Kira's story. And that's where Hidden Empire 3 ends. So with that, we delve into the next comic. So it's Dr. Afra number 29. It was written by Alyssa Wong. The artist is Natasha Bustos, and the colour artist is Rachel Rosenberg. It was released February 22nd, 2023, and as of yet, a trade paperback collection has not been confirmed. And with that in mind, here is the crawl. After a gruelling possession and a cunning hack, Afra has regained control of her body and established a tentative truce with the Spark Eternal. True to the mission of the Ascendant and its creator Meryl, the Spark declared its intention to hunt the Sith. Meanwhile, the use of the exploitative Ronan Tague's medical technology left Sana and her team in enormous debt. Sana's team then joined Ronan's Crimson Dawn forces to usurp his aunt, Domina, as the head of the Tague Corporation. However, Sana betrayed Ronan and extracted a confession of his misdeeds in exchange for Domina erasing her crew's debt. Freed from the Tagues, Sana and her allies met with Kofon Faris to discover the whereabouts of Afra and the Spark. So the issue starts with a flashback to long ago, and it shows that the leader of the Ascendant, a Chadra fan named Meryl, who has shown up in prior Afra comics, is with a Trandoshan called Gaze, or Gaze, G-H-E-S, Gez, I'm not sure. This Trandoshan is the record keeper of the Ascendant, and they're heading to a temple on Pyre 9 and I can't see that Pyonine is anywhere else in the canon or legends. But they head there to find Illith, who is a former left hand of the Ascendant. Then it cuts back to now, 
So you've got Dr. Aphra's there, obviously still somewhat possessed by the spark, along with Triple Zero and BT-1. They're at the same temple that we saw in the flashback, and Aphra notes that there are saber gouges all across the door and around, and then the spark does something and makes Aphra kind of hit herself. And Aphra's a bit taken aback by this, and it's confirmed that the spark can still control her body, but the spark just lets Aphra. BT-1 then blows the door up and they go inside. There's more lightsaber slashes on the walls and things and the spark shows Aphra the temple with visuals of what the spark saw. So it's quite cool artwork because obviously the spark is inside of Aphra. It can make her see anything. So she is looking at this empty room but then can see like corpses on the floor of what the spark saw at the time. So it does another flashback and it shows that Illith tortures a Sith Darkseeker. Now I mentioned them prior, a Sith Darkseeker is essentially like an acolyte of the Sith who tracks down and kills threats to the Sith. I believe it's dark side users that are threats to the Sith specifically. And Illith has got a fragment of the Spark Eternal because he used to be part of the same sect of the Ascendant as Miral, but because they disagreed on certain things, he decided to leave because he says that Miral wouldn't do the extreme measures necessary for their survival. He notes that the Spark Eternal is both a shield, but also a sword, and Miral needs to learn that. He notes that Miral's mercy will be the death of us, if she doesn't learn. And then, the Darkseekers attack. While this is going on, you see that Kofon Faris has been picked up by Sana and the crew, and Ko says that they know where Aphra is. They also know what Kira's plan is, and also have a plan about the Fermata Cage. Ko believes that the Fermata Cage can trap the Spark Eternal, which would then save Aphra from the Spark Eternal, and they could do this while the Sith are there, and Crimson Dawn and everyone are having this big fight, this big showdown, they can kind of just sneak in there and do it. Ko has a little bit of a back and forth with Sana, and Sana's like, oh, you're doing heists now, and Ko's like, well, the first heist I ever did was because of you and Aphra when we were in the University of Barleth, which we did see, I think, at the very start of this run, or quite near the start of this run. Enko finishes her sentiments by saying, we need to heist Aphra back. They start to formulate a plan and Magna Tolvin notes that Chelly, which is Aphra's first name, showed her what to do regarding the spark when they touched and their electro tattoos kind of synced up. Just Lucky notes that it's going to be a mess and Sana says it always is. So back to the flashback. You've got Illith and the Ascendants there in this temple and they are fighting with the Dark Seekers. Now Illith uses the Spark's power and manages to destroy one of them, but then in his triumph, he then gets stabbed through the chest by a weapon and it makes him start to bleed out. Miral runs over to him and he tells her that she needs to defeat them no matter what. Don't let them take the Spark. Destroy it if you have to, but you must defeat these by any means necessary. So Miral then stabs the spark that's in Illith, and then this power flows out everywhere. Once again, the artwork in all of three of these issues I'm tackling this episode are absolutely brilliant. Hidden Empire and Bounty Hunters are very action-heavy. This one's pretty action-y as well, but I really like the flashbacks and seeing, you know, the the reds primarily, like the colour artist Rachel Rosenberg. She's fantastic, and the colours in this really, really stand out. So as this power is like shooting out of Illith after she's seemingly destroyed the spark that he had, she realises that her and the spark both need to be strong. And then it shows in present day, Aphra picks up what was left of the spark fragment that was in the chest of Illith's corpse, and then the spark takes control of her body, saying, it will make me whole, grabs the thing, shoves it into their chest, and says that no virus or archaeologist is in my head anymore. It is finally quiet. And then the final panel shows the spark eternal, along with Triple Zero and BT-1, heads to some business on a Maxine station. Now for those unaware, a Maxine station is actually from the High Republic, specifically it is in Into the Dark, which is from the first phase and the first wave. It's the first young adult book and it was written by Claudia Gray. I tackled it many moons ago, so check it out either on the YouTube playlist or just type in Into the Dark book review and then maybe comics and then it will come up. 
The Maxine Station, it's a very cool concept design. The artwork is brilliant. And it is essentially where the Drengear were released from. It's not where they originated from, but they'd been trapped there for quite some time and they get released in that book. Now, you do also get to see a Maxine station in the Rise of Kylo Ren comic, which I did tackle a few episodes ago now as like a redo. And in that, Snoke is on a Maxine station kind of waiting and things. And you see that it's still there even around the time of the First Order, sort of the sequel trilogy a little bit before that. But all the plants and all the stuff is kind of falling apart and dying. But any connection to the High Republic I love, so I'm very excited to see what happens at a Maxine station in issue 30, well, hopefully. But that's the end of Dr. Aphra 29, so move on to the third and final comic of this batch, Bounty Hunters 31. It was written by Ethan Sachs, the artist is Paolo Villanelli, and the colour artist is Arif Prianto. It was released February 15th, 2023, and again the trade paperback collection has not been announced. With that in mind, here's the crawl. Valance has had his whole world shattered after learning that the empire he's been serving bombed the rebel base where the love of his life had taken refuge, leaving her presumed dead. Reunited with Toonga and his fellow bounty hunters, the cyborg hero is now out for revenge, but in his anger, he's drawn out Darth Vader for a showdown, one he is not likely to survive. Meanwhile, Vakora is still struggling to maintain control over the Unbroken Clan now that word has gotten out about the existence of the rightful heir to the Syndicate throne. With Cadalia being protected by Crimson Dawn, the current leader of the clan is isolated and in danger. So, as the crawl said, this kicks off with Valance being furious at Darth Vader. They launch each other, and some of the artwork in this issue is absolutely incredible. It's amidst my favourite action artwork in some of these comics. Hats off to Paolo Villanelli, what a guy. And obviously I interviewed him, like, last year as well, so check that out as well if desired. But Valance is firing at Vader with his hand cannons, and Vader says that clearly Valance wants to die, so he will grant him death. There's a comment from Tasu Leech, you can see what's going on, and he's like, even I wouldn't fight Darth Vader, and everyone's a bit like, what is Valance doing? Does he really think he's going to win? So Toonga says to the crew, look, get to the ship, get to fall, LOM, and take off, because we are going to need a rescue. So with Valance and Vader fighting, as I said, it's really cool artwork. I hugely encourage everyone to pick up these comics, as I always do, because they are really, really great and help support the creators. So I'm going to kind of skip over the action bits to a degree. But Valance throws a big rock at Vader, and then as Vader kind of catches it and destroys it, Valance is already on him and launching even bigger blasts from his hand blaster. This knocks the saber out of Darth Vader's hand, and now they're in close combat, kind of fighting each other, and Toonga flies by on a speeder to try and attack, and Vader manages to lift up his lightsaber from the floor, grab it, slices her speeder, and continue fighting with Valance in one fell swoop. Toonga's okay, she's just on the floor and kind of surprised as what on earth just happened, and obviously it was because Vader used the force and moved really fast. Lieutenant Hayden is nearby and then starts firing at Toonga as well, saying that she ruined everything. And then Tasu Leech, he's on a speeder and he swings by and grabs Toonga and takes her to safety. Vader then lifts up Valance and slams him on the floor. And Valance says, it doesn't matter if you kill me because I've saved those villagers. And Vader says, no, you have doomed those villagers. And then you see four TIE bombers fly overhead and just destroy the village that's nearby. Valance is obviously even more annoyed about this, but it shows that the three Revengers, who are the Trandoshan, the Weakway, and the Human, who've been in the Vader comics and the Bounty Hunters comics, they call themselves the Revengers, they are kind of nearby, but they seemingly manage to avoid the TIE Bomber barrage and hide in a cave. Hayden then stops Vader from trying to kill Valance and says that she wants to be the one to do it. So she aims at his head, and he says, look, we can just leave together. Like, I'm sorry about what happened, but I believe that you and I can make it work. You made me feel things I didn't realise I could feel again. So please, leave with me. If we defeat Vader, we can then go off and just live our lives. She seems to think about it for a moment, and then shoots Valance in the head, and he falls off the edge of a cliff. She notes that her first love is the Empire. 
Meanwhile, on Corellia at the Unbroken Clan Sanctuary, two guards are talking. They mention that they're going to try and save Cadalia and they want to kill Vakora in quite a gruesome way, but they want to do it in time. One of the guards is saying, when are we going to do it? You know, it feels like we've been waiting forever. And the other one says, look, just be patient. We'll be able to do it eventually. You just have to keep at it. But it shows that Vakora actually hears all of this because she's got security and surveillance cams nearby. You then get to see a flashback and it shows that Vakura is with Krinthia. They seem to be friends and they're hanging out, and Corinthia is actually Cadalia's mother, who dies during childbirth and is seen in the first volume of the Bounty Hunters comics. Now, Vakura hanging out with Corinthia, that's all nice and things, but then the dad enters, the dad of Corinthia, and says that Vakura is just like the help. He punishes Vakura and then forces her to go outside and kill a Lothcat that she's had there. Now, a Lothcat is also known as a Tuka. You see them in Star Wars Rebels, as well as some of the live-action Disney series. They're basically just Star Wars cats. And so he forces her to hold a blaster to this, basically, cat's head and to kill it to prove her love to the Unbroken Clan. And she just sits there in sort of modern day, thinking about this flashback and still thinking how it shocked her to this date. Then back to Vader. Vader is not impressed by Hayden and says that she let Valance fall out of their grasp. And she says there's no way he could have survived that. Vader does not agree with this and says to go get people down there to find him. Fortunately, at the bottom of the cliff, Zuckus and Losha are already down there. And they find Valance just sat there staring with half of the synth skin on his face completely taken off. So he's back to that classic, somewhat Terminator-esque vibe, which I, I love the way he looks when he's got half of his face showing. He doesn't like it. And probably I imagine in universe, no one likes seeing it, but it looks incredibly cool artwork-wise. But he is just sat there brooding and says, we need to leave. So then on the ship, all of the Bounty Hunter crew seem to be on there and safe, and then Bosk wants revenge on Valance for his attack in Bounty Hunters number three. However, Tonga holds him back and says, look, Valance has just lost everything. He's just lost everyone that he cares about. He's also been shot in the face and knocked off a cliff. Give him some space, let him breathe. And Bosk makes like a comment saying that, well, Valance doesn't feel anything. He's just a hunk of metal. And then you see a panel of Valance. He is clearly very upset. Meanwhile, back on a Star Destroyer, Hayden is thinking about when she shot Valance in the face. She's got the cybernetic eye, so it kind of has this targeting system in a way. It aims right at the center of his head, and then she nudges it slightly to the right as she fires, so it clips the corner of his head, so it wouldn't be a kill shot. Whether or not it would actually kill Valance anyway, who knows, but she made the effort to specifically try to not kill him. Someone's asking Hayden a question and she's daydreaming about this thing while being asked, and then she suddenly snaps too. The person is asking for information specifically on a mission. The mission is that this group of people need to go and find Valance and wipe his memory completely because he may have seen something that he shouldn't have. The something that he shouldn't have seen seems to be the Death Star 2. But I don't think Hayden or anyone else in the room really knows that. I think it's just Vader. And then the people that Hayden is giving this mission to is confirmed that they are Inferno Squad and they confirm that they will succeed. And that's where this comic ends. And Inferno Squad, just to clarify, they are from Star Wars Battlefront 2. They're in the campaign mode and they are led by Iden Versio, but also shown in the picture was Gideon Hask and Del Miko. All of them are seen in the game itself and all have their own arcs and things. Really, really interesting. And Iden Versio's droid, Dio, is also with them. It's not Dio from The Rise of Skywalker. It's D.I.O. is also a ID-10 Seeker droid. So any fans of Battlefront 2 are going to be very excited to see that. Or there's the book, I think it's uh, Star Wars Battlefront Twilight Company. No, it's Star Wars Battlefront Inferno Squad. There's it's two Star Wars Battlefront tie-in novels. I think one's from like the Rebel side and one's from like the Imperial side. So there's a book about them that I personally have not read, but I have played the game and it is good fun. But that, my friends, is the end of this episode, the end of the Hidden Empire 3 crossovers. 
Thank you so much for listening as always. It's appreciated that you listen all the way to the very end. If you can, please try and support the creators by picking up these comics, either by purchasing them or reading them on things like Marvel Unlimited, because we just want to support those creators where we can. But what have we got coming up? Well, I've got all the notes written for the next High Republic book, or technically it's a book, it's an audio drama, it's called The Battle of Jeddah. It takes place after Convergence and the other High Republic content that I've tackled thus far, so I'm probably going to do that next week. If not, I'll hold it on to the week after. I am next planning to do the Han Solo and Chewbacca comics, so I did issues 1 to 5, and now the 10th issue has been released, so I'm going to be doing issues 6 to 10, which will finish off that miniseries. So after I've done the Battle of Jeddah audiobook review and the Han Solo and Chewbacca comics, I'll then probably do Hidden Empire number four. And then after that, I suspect I'll do the first batch of High Republic comics for the first sort of arc because they link in with the Battle of Jeddah and Convergence. And then I imagine if Hidden Empire 5 is out by then, oh, then finish it all off by doing Hidden Empire 5. Then from there, we'll kind of see where we go. There's the Yoda miniseries that's out. There's Clone Wars Battle Tales. I've still got the Guardians of the Wheels manga adaptation I want to do. There's the Dark Horse anthology stories, hyperspace stories I want to do. Plus, there's some other High Republic content as well. There's the Blade miniseries. There's the High Republic Adventures comics. There's a one-shot coming out, I think, in April, which is Quest of the Jedi, which is by Claudia Gray. Plus, in June, we've got the Return of the Jedi 40th anniversary, so there's some comics coming out at the time of that. Uh, Jabba's Palace, Lando, and Ewoks. So I'm going to be tackling all of those as well, plus any other High Republic content that comes out. I believe the Cataclysm book is out in a couple of weeks as well, um, but I've ordered like a special edition of that that normally takes about an extra month to get to me, so I imagine that book review won't be out for a little while, but then there's also the other High Republic books that are going to be coming out shortly. But that's what you can expect from me going forward. Um, actually, thinking about it, I think next week is April 1st. So on April 1st, I've got a special episode planned, which is going to be a one-off, which will be Star Wars Visions. There's a Visions prequel comic to the The Jewel Visions episode, which is the first one, I believe, and arguably my favourite. So there's a book that's a sequel, which is Ronin. There's the animated episode, and then there's also the comic prequel. So what I'll probably do is rewatch the Jewel episode, because it's amazing, and I recommend anyone go check it out, regardless of how much you do or do not like Star Wars. I imagine you probably quite like Star Wars, and you've probably already seen Visions if you're listening to this, but go check it out. It's on Disney+. Plus. It's really, really cool. So next week I'll do that, because April 1st, and it's not strictly speaking canon, so it's a bit of fun to do that. So it means that next week could be that Visions thing. The week after that, I imagine I'll do the Battle of Jeddah. Then the week after that, I imagine I'll do Hidden Empire number four. But around that time, I am also going to be a Star Wars celebration. So the weekend that I'm at Star Wars Celebration. I'm not going to be releasing a normal episode, but I'm hoping to do some recordings, hopefully speak to some people while I'm actually at the convention. If not, myself and Megan will be talking about it in our hotel room in the evening as well. Obviously, you can follow me on social media at Genuine Chit Chat. At the moment, there is the Mandalorian weekly discussion shows that I am hosting. So they're on the feed of Comics Emotion and also on the YouTube channel, Genuine Chit Chat, which is where all my Star Wars comics and canon episodes are, as well as every episode of Genuine Chit Chat and all my Star Wars conversations with authors and people involved with Star Wars. They're all over there on that channel, all in playlists. It's really easy just to kind of find your way through the episodes via that rather than having to search in loads of places across any podcast apps. But if you want to keep up to date with what I'm doing without having to follow me on all the social media places, please subscribe to the Pop Culture Collective newsletter. A link is in the description, but it'll just keep you up to date on everything that I'm up to, as well as a handful of really other amazing creators. Aside from that, my friends, you can support the show if you so desire. So you can share it with your friends, you can share it on social media, you can tell people about it, shout it from the rooftops, you can review on Good Pods and Apple Podcasts, you can give it a rating on Spotify. All of these things hugely do help the show. So if you haven't done that and you enjoy listening, please, please try and rate and review it wherever you are listening. In addition to that, obviously subscribe to my YouTube channel, that helps a lot, and subscribe to the feed of Comics in Motion. There's also a solo feed for Star Wars Comics and Canon. I'm trying to release episodes on there. 
kind of every day or every weekday just so I can kind of catch up to this feed. At the moment, I think I'm on episode like 60 or 70 on that feed. So if you want a really easy way to go through episodes and if you want to just listen to say all the Vader ones and you don't want to go on YouTube, that's a really, really easy way to kind of start from because you can just go on that feed and search inside of that feed for whatever episode you desire. And I've made the titles a bit more clear and things like that. So and you know, redone a bit of the descriptions, etc. So please consider subscribing to that as well. Because although I do tell people, please make sure you subscribe to Comics emotion for the other amazing shows if you are listening and you just want star wars stuff then go over there and the other way you can support the show is by going to patreon.com slash genuine chits chat for as little as one pound a month or one dollar fifty a month i think it is you get access to hours and hours of additional content there is exclusive star wars legends book reviews on there there's rogue squadron on there there's the darth bane trilogy shatterpoint darth plagueis i've just scheduled my revan review as well i've also just recorded my darth maul shadow hunter review and i just found out today that michael reeves has passed away who's the author which is obviously very sad but his book is incredible so what a great way to honor him so lots of Star Wars Legends reviews on there. There's also over 160 episodes of Afterthoughts on there, which is where myself and Megan review TV shows, movies, all kinds of things. There's some Star Wars stuff on there. There's some non-Star Wars stuff there. Loads of movies and random things from like random rom-coms to indie movies to big hitters that people would be surprised we still haven't seen. So lots of great things there. So you can support the show, you get early access to stuff, and you get a link to put into whatever podcast app you're listening on, and you get access immediately to all 150, 160-odd episodes of afterthoughts and there is at least one of those every single week so please consider checking that out your support means the absolute world to me but that's enough for me my friends thank you so much for listening as always i'll talk to you next week with that visions comic and then the week after that likely with the battle of Jeddah or maybe star wars celebration coverage whatever comes i'm very i'm finding it very hard because i'm trying to take it like day by day because i've got a really really busy couple of months but just thank you so much for listening as always my friends i'll talk to you next week with that visions comic and as always may the force be with you The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.